Welcome to the Catholic School Music Educators Podcast. We all know there are many wonderful things about teaching music in Catholic schools, but that there are also very specific challenges to teaching music in Catholic schools. We are going to discuss all of those, plus faith, music, and more. Welcome to this space. And welcome back. I'm so glad to have you back here for the second part of my Christmas concert podcast series. I think this is only going to be a two-part series. Last uh, episode, we talked about how I find inspiration for a Christmas concert, what sorts of songs I choose, where I hold my Christmas concerts, all of those sorts of things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, today, we're going to talk about the preparation that I put into my classes for the Christmas concert. And then we're also going to talk about my concert day and how I actually run my concerts. Again, I'm going to put out the caveat that what works at my school may or may not work at your school. But I want to start the conversation of ideas. So please listen and then send me some feedback. Send me some voice feedback <clears throat> through the Anchor app, through the link that I will have in my show notes, and let me know what you do. How do you prepare for your concerts? How do you run your concert day so that we can all be contributing ideas and helping each other out as much as we possibly can? I find my concerts work the best if I start preparing my students early. We spend as early as the middle of October, the last five to 10 minutes of music class introducing and getting started on their songs. Um, I'm not really talking in this episode about preparing my bands or preparing my performance choirs. This is really about my general music classes, pre-K through five, that are going to be performing on the Christmas concert. Um, we'll talk at other times about how I run rehearsals for choirs and bands, but this is really for my younger general music classes and how I teach them their music. So we start early, mid-October, they start, you know, just, I have a regular music class and then in the last five to 10 minutes, say, hey, guess what? It's time to start practicing our Christmas music. And they always get really excited for it. And we'll spend just five or 10 minutes running through each song. Now I do teach concert performance songs where I want the kids to have the music memorized. I teach it by rote. I am 100% all about learning to read music within class. I teach them to read the church music in their in the hymnals um, and all of that. But when I want them to have this music memorized, I find that it works the best to just teach it by rote. So I start with, I'll say a line, you say it back. We start with the words, nice and simple. Then um, after they've got the words down, I do that once or twice, and I speak the words in rhythm. So uh, it can get a little bit awkward, but it works. And then, so they're learning rhythm and words at the same time. And then I move to the piano, and it's a, I sing a line, you sing it back. And I, depending on the age of the students, I can start in the preschool with very short lines, you know, maybe a half of a phrase instead of a full phrase. And then 
all right, I'm going to make those lines longer. Are you ready for that? And then I'll sing a line, you sing it back again with longer lines. I put two of them together. And it works really fairly well. I don't, in those early introductory classes where we're just spending the last five to ten minutes, I don't spend a ton of time on each song. You know, I'll maybe do each song twice or three times, and then we move on to the next one. Then um, as we get closer, you know, beginning of November, mid-November, maybe I'll spend as much as 15 minutes, half of class, working on Christmas music. By that point, we're touching base on more of the songs in each class. They're starting to get a little bit more comfortable with it. Once I've gotten through, okay, you, if I sing the whole thing, can you sing it all back to me of a verse or a refrain? Then I'll sing, I'll say, okay, what if I leave out a word every now and then? Can you keep singing? And I'll leave out the last word of each line. What if I leave out a couple of words? Can you do it? And they always get really excited to prove to me that they can. Um, and then, you know, by that point, they're chomping at the bit to sing it by themselves. All right, what if I don't sing at all? Can you do it? And then they're really excited to sing it back to me and show me that they can. I usually work one verse or one part at a time. Uh, the preschoolers and the kindergartners and will probably only sing one verse. The first graders might sing a second verse of a short song, but I don't know. Depends on how it goes. Second and third graders, one of their songs, they'll probably sing a second verse. Um, fourth and fifth graders will almost certainly sing two verses. So I kind of add to it as they go along. My preschoolers only sing one song and it's extremely repetitive. They really have three songs to learn, but they only sing one song by themselves. The fifth graders only have one music class a week. They also only sing one song by themselves, but it's not the only thing they're doing on the concert. All of the fifth graders are also either in band or choir. So they have a larger part in the concert, but it's their last opportunity to sing together as a class on a Christmas concert. So I want to give them one song to, to sing. Everybody has everybody else, kindergarten through fourth grade, has two songs that they sing together as a class. Um, and then they have two other songs that they need to learn. One is a whole school performance song. This year we're singing Joy to the World. We're only going to learn one verse. We're actually singing it twice. We're going to sing it once as a school, and then I'm going to invite the audience to join in and sing along the second time through. <clears throat> and then we always close our concert with the same song. Uh, it is a, we, I put it out there to the audience as this is our way of saying thank you. We are a Catholic school, and we want to say thank you by praying a blessing for you. We're at a concert, though. This is a concert, so let's sing the blessing. So we sing a prayer of blessing, and since we have a very strong language program, we also sing it in Spanish. Um, in years when we also offered Mandarin, we also sang it in Mandarin. Unfortunately, our Mandarin program uh, has has gone away recently, hopefully to come back eventually, but not at this time. So we sing it in the languages that our students are learning. So we sing it in English and we sing it in Spanish. Um, and it's just a real simple four line prayer of blessing. I don't even remember what book I've got it out of. We do it completely by memory and completely a cappella now. Um, by the time the students are older, they know it, no problem, even in Spanish. 
Um, the younger students obviously have to put some more effort into learning to sing it, but the pressure also isn't on because the whole school is singing it. <coughs> As the concert draws closer, um, after Thanksgiving, even sometimes depending on the class as early as Thanksgiving week, we go to just concert mode. Um, and concert mode is, okay, we've got four songs to work on. We've got a 30-minute class. I want to spend this many minutes on each one of these songs, but I also have a goal for each song. If we can accomplish our goal before our time is up, then we're going to do a Go Noodle video. And the kids love Go Noodle. Um, and you can sometimes, you used to be able to really search by time. You know, last year, you couldn't search Go Noodle by time anymore. You just have to look and see what the times are on each video. But if we finish our goal, we achieve our goal, and there's two minutes left, then we can do a two-minute Go Noodle video. And some of them just sit and watch, but some of them are up out of their seats and dancing and moving around. And those movement breaks are great for adding memory, and they're also great for getting the kids wiggles out when we're just sitting and doing a lot of concert prep. So it is both a movement break and a reward, and that movement, studies have shown that movement after learning something can help solidify the memory in the brain. In the last week, I pull our risers out to make sure that every class has at least one practice, one rehearsal on the risers, where they are exactly in their concert places. This is exactly where you're going to stand. We have an older set of Wenger risers that have the carpet on them, so I have carpet spots on them as places for the kids to stand. You go to this one, you go to that one. Um, I don't tell them that I tell them it might not be the same color because sometimes they fall off and I have to put them back on and I don't remember where they all are, but you're the second one or you're the first one. Um, and we practice getting on and off the risers, front row, step down, walk off altogether. Second row, step down together, walk up and down them like stairs. Don't walk across them like a balance beam. All of those sorts of safety issues and practice issues to make the concert day go smoother. It really helps. Now, early on in this preparation process, I send a communication home to families. This really helps in getting uh, good attendance. Um, I make my concerts mandatory. I have good support from my administration to do that. Um, and prior to COVID, I had almost 100% participation at concerts. There have been some years where I have had exactly 100% participation. Since COVID, it's been a little bit more spotty. Not a ton of students missing, but a few. Um, we only had two concerts last year, but most of the misses were um, sincere COVID concerns or um, students who were actually sick and wound up out of the concert that way. So I tell the students that unless there's a family emergency or you're sick, okay, you need to be at the concert. If you're sick, you should absolutely stay home. Um, we will hope that you feel better and we will miss you, but you should absolutely stay home. Now, what constitutes a family emergency? I say that, you know, small problems are not a family emergency. Your parents are smart people, I tell them. Your adults are smart people. They can figure out a lot of problems. Uh, but that 
if there's really an emergency and your parents tell you that they just really can't figure it out and you can't make it, don't stress about it. It's going to be okay. Because we need to understand and remember, these students can't get themselves to the concert. Okay. I can say it's mandatory all day long, but the students don't have any control over that. And so while I do give the students work to make up for it, um, and in my school that works, our socioeconomic placement here where we live is such that it works in my school. It would not work in all schools. Um, you know, there are many schools out there where parents work still during those hours and they don't have the support or the, the external support of the village that would allow for those students to make it to the concert. Um, but in my school, this works. And it is a small school and that helps the concert work. Um, so I do put a little bit of pressure on, but I also understand that it is outside of the student's control. So here's the communication that I send home. I say, believe it or not, students are already working hard on their music for the Christmas concert. Our Christmas concert, and I give you know the title of the concert this year, it's Celebrate, will be, and I give the date, Keeping in mind, and this isn't part of the concert, this isn't part of the communication, it's been on the school calendar on the webpage since September. Um, so it shouldn't be new to them, but for many people, this is still new news. I tell them where it's going to be held. The concert will be held in the church. I start all of my concerts at 6.30 p.m. Um, I feel like in our community, that's a time that works well. It's after most parents are home from work and have had a chance to get some dinner into their kids. Uh, while still allowing our concerts to wrap up by shortly after bedtime so that kids don't lose out on too much sleep. Then I say, all four-year-old preschool through eighth grade students are participating in the concert. The concert is a mandatory performance for all students. Every voice and instrument matters. Their classmates are counting on them. That's my explanation to the parents of why it is important for their student. When you've got a class of only 12 students, it is vitally important that all 12 of those students are there. If we're missing two students from that class, that makes a big difference. And in my bands where there might only be one or two saxophones, if one or two of them are missing, that, that is a, leaves a hole in the group. Um, and so I, like, I need the parents to understand that every single voice and instrument matters. Going back to the date really quickly, I really like being consistent with my dates on concerts. I try very hard to make every Christmas concert the second Thursday in December and every spring concert the second Thursday in May. This allows parents to plan ahead. This allows me to say, hey, this is when it always is. And this is mandatory. This should not be a surprise. You know, by the time they're in third or fourth or fifth or sixth grade, it shouldn't be a surprise anymore. Um, this year, that did not work. Because being in a Catholic school, the second Thursday in December this year is December 8th, which is a holy day of obligation. And while our students will have attended Mass that morning, our parents will not necessarily have. So we pushed it back to the third Thursday this year, Thursday, December 15th. Then I give a general dress code. My dress code is worded such that the school uniform would be perfectly acceptable. <clears throat> That way, everybody has something. Um, it's not a huge concern for this school that I'm in, but I have had schools in the past where their school uniform was the nicest clothes that that student owned. 
And so I always tell my classes, your school uniform is perfectly acceptable. Um, if that's what you've got that's nice, wear it. Students should dress nicely for the concert, I say. Boys should wear nice pants, no blue jeans, no sweatpants, no shorts, and a nice shirt, button-down or polo shirt. Sweaters, suit coats, ties, etc., all fine, but not necessary. Girls can wear nice pants and a nice shirt, a skirt and a nice shirt, or a dress. Then I word very carefully, skirts or dresses should reach the knee, which is exactly how our school dress code is worded uh, as far as like skirt and jumper length. And I say, or should have leggings worn underneath. I also recognize as the mother of a daughter that it is very hard to find dresses and skirts, especially as kids get older, that reach the knee unless you go to a full-on maxi dress. Um, so I give them the out of leggings or even opaque tights underneath a shorter skirt as being acceptable. Then I, I make the caveat that leggings should only be worn under a skirt or a tunic length top. Then I give the times that students should arrive. All band students should arrive at school and meet in the band room by 6 o'clock p.m. All other students should arrive in church by 6.15 p.m. All students should plan on staying for the entire concert as we will be performing as a whole school at the close of the concert. For parents who have been with me for a long time, this is not a surprise, but for new parents, and we have a lot of new parents this year, that is sometimes a surprise. Um, a lot of schools, parents who are done leave. Um, and I feel very strongly that the students at the end of a concert should have exactly the same audience as the students from the beginning of the concert. Uh, as a result, that's part of the reason we perform as a whole school at the end. It's not the whole reason, but it is part of the reason. Um, I love the, the whole school performance at the end of the concert. I feel like it really ties the whole thing together. It offers a nice big finale. And as a school of smaller class sizes, you know, a school of only 200 students, our classes are a little on the smaller end. And so there isn't, I mean, they sound really nice, but there isn't this, oh, wow, sort of factor of that's a lot of really nice voices uh, in any of the classes. And so I really like to have the whole school sing together because, man, do they sound good when they all sing together. Now, moving on to the actual day of the concert, I have to start out by saying that a great concert day is hugely dependent on good support from teachers and administration. It is totally possible to put on a great concert all on your own, but you and your students having a good experience in putting on that good concert really depends on having great support, not necessarily from every teacher in your building, but from as many teachers as you can get on board as possible. Now, perhaps it would be a great way, a great podcast to explore how do we get unsupportive teachers and admin on board with supporting and helping our, our programs. I'm not going to explore that here, but it's something to think about and something that we can explore at a later date. But having good teacher support is something that I have been very lucky to have. I've been very lucky in my administration and in my teachers. Um, they haven't all been perfect by any stretch, but I do have wonderful support and wonderful help from them. 
I do a dress rehearsal in the afternoon. Um, some schools I've been at have done dress rehearsals on different days, but I really feel like doing that dress rehearsal that afternoon, it keeps it fresh in the students' minds. It doesn't give me any opportunity to fix anything, which is a disadvantage, but it keeps things fresh in students' minds and it greatly reduces the amount of extra work that I have to do, especially putting my concerts on in the church, I would have to set up, break down, set up again if I was going to do a dress rehearsal on a different day. So I always do one the afternoon of the concert um, with the whole school. Uh, the school gets to watch and see their performances um, and the teachers get to see how it's going to work. Uh, the dress rehearsal is a great opportunity for us to work with our accompanist once. Um, and to have the classes practice getting on and off the risers at the same time so that everything flows really smoothly. I like to keep my concerts as short and sweet as possible. I like to waste as little time as possible. Everyone is so busy these days and life is so hectic and rushed. <clears throat> I don't want the concerts to feel rushed, but I also don't want parents sitting there going, come on. Can we please keep this moving? I need to get the kids to bed because I have to do 500 things before I finally get to go to bed. I don't want them sitting there feeling like that. I want them to feel like things are moving along at a good clip and we're making progress and we're going to get done at a reasonable time. My goal is a concert that lasts somewhere between an hour and an hour and a half. Um, it's with more groups and more students. I'm pushing the hour and a half most often, but I want the concert to be done by eight o'clock. Having started 6.30, I want it done by eight o'clock so everybody can get home and get to bed. So my concert runs like this. I start with the bands. The reason I start with bands instead of ending with bands is because it is much easier to tear down the band setup than it is to set it up. And I don't have the space to just leave it up for the whole concert. So I have the risers set up in place, but with the, sometimes depending on how much space I have with the Advent wreath in our church, um, Sometimes I have them still folded, so they have to be pulled down. Sometimes I just have them set up and they're just at the back of the band set up. Then I have the band all set up with the percussion and everything else that we need. Um, and I have the bands play. I start with my youngest band, fourth grade band, then the fifth and sixth grade band, then the seventh and eighth grade band, and then we end with a combined fifth through eighth grade band. After that group, we clear the band as quickly as possible. I will usually wind up with three or four teachers plus our principal helping. All of the percussionists stick around and help. All of the wind players are instructed that if they can carry their instrument and their music and a stand when they exit the, exit the church, that they should do so, but then they should go put their instrument away. Um, percussionists come in and help unload, get rid of all of the percussion equipment. Um, my husband is usually helping. Uh, sometimes even my sister or brother-in-law are helping. Uh, as many people as you can get, just clearing things out of the way as possible makes things go faster. Then I pull the risers down if I need to. I move my stand closer to the risers. The accompanist, accompanist 
gets in place and we're ready to go. It usually takes less than five minutes. Uh, it's much faster to set up to sing than it is to set up a band, um, in my opinion. Then when I have student groups entering and exiting the risers, I always, as much as possible, have them enter and exit from opposite sides. So while the first group will enter from the left and go on to the risers, and then they'll exit back to the left, the second group will come from the right. So as the first group is going off to the left, the second group can be coming on and sometimes are even like going up the risers as the first group is still leaving. Um, and I find that this gets kids on and off stage much more quickly uh, and really helps things flow along smoothly. Now, while students are moving, I also have a few middle school students who are emceeing, I call them my emcees for the concert, and they are not just announcing this is the first grade singing the first Noel, but they'll read uh, either a reflection or some scripture, um, some facts, depends on the concert, um, depends on the theme of the concert. If it's Christmas around the world, they'll read about Christmas celebrations in Germany or whatever country we're focused on at that moment. A concert like this year with Celebrate being our theme, they're probably going to be reading the Christmas story from Luke in a couple of different excerpts. They'll probably read a psalm with Rejoice, Rejoice. Um, they'll probably read some of Isaiah. Uh, I'll see if I can find some reflections on Christmas and the joy that comes from celebrating Christmas. I don't have those pulled together yet, obviously, but those are the sorts of things that they read. And I try to make them long enough that they cover most of the time that a, that a class is entering or exiting. So the ones prior to the preschoolers or the kindergartners singing <coughs> tend to be a little bit longer than the ones prior to the smaller third grade class who's gonna get on and be ready to go right away. Um, that way, there's always something happening. At the end of the concert, whatever class, I don't always do things in order where the younger grades are concerned. I'm probably going to end with my middle school choir this year. It's the largest group. I'll leave them on the risers and then the whole school will come out and get set up while I do a little bit of talking and I say, thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate, or no, usually at this point, I'm sorry, my principal talks. Um, he has thanks to give to the parents and to the families and um, usually a thank you to me and to our accompanist and all of that. And then by the time he's done speaking, everybody's in place to sing to the church. Um, you know, as many students as fit on the risers will be on the risers. Everybody else will be in front and off to the sides. Um, we'll sing our final closing number this year. That's Joy to the World. And then we wrap it up with the Prayer of Blessing, which we sing at the end of every single concert. At that point, I speak and I tell them thank you so much for coming and that our tradition at our school is to... Um, thank the audience by praying a prayer of blessing for them. But this is a concert, so of course we're going to sing it for them. Then I explain that we're going to sing it in our languages 
the languages that we learn at our school. And then I turn around to my students. Usually at this point, I tell my older students that at this point in the concert, my brain is so fried, I don't remember how it starts. And I just say, ready, and I breathe, and they sing. And I turn around at that point. I'm not conducting this one. I turn around and I join in and I sing to the audience myself. Um, and that is the end of our concerts. At that point, I wrangle as many students as I can to help with the little stuff. But very often, um, the middle school teachers, again, like I have said, the support from staff is huge. Um, middle school teachers, say don't worry about it we'll bring our first period classes down and we'll clean up tomorrow morning percussion equipment gets moved downstairs usually the night of but the risers and the stands and everything else gets taken care of the next day which is fabulous uh for for my evening especially since now that i have kids of my own i can't just stick around at school until midnight anymore i need to get them home and into bed as well so that's how my concerts go. I hope you have a wonderful, blessed concert season this year. Have all of the best luck. Break a leg. And please leave me some audio feedback about how you run your concerts. How does it go? So that uh, we can be sharing ideas from people who do it differently than me. My way is not the only right way. And I would love to learn from you too. Thank you so much for listening. As always, any feedback, ratings, reviews, or shares you're able to give us, the more this podcast will grow. The more people this reaches, the more ideas we will be able to compile and share, the better we will be able to support each other. So please continue to like, comment, and share. May God bless you in all of your works. Thank you for being here. One final note right before Christmas, I've had such a jump in listenership over the last couple of weeks. It is so exciting for me to see I'm watching, you know, the audience grow and see where in the United States and all over the world that it's coming from. It's very exciting to me. I would love to continue to grow this podcast and utilize it. Um, my equipment is nothing more than my phone at the moment. If you would like to see this podcast continue and see it expand and possibly be able to spend more time on it, um, I would really love your support. There is a link for listener support in the description of this podcast now. So if at any point you are able to and willing to uh, throw a little help my way, we'll go back into making this podcast bigger, better, and reach more people. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful, very Merry Christmas.